You're listening to The Sigrun Show, episode number 242. In this episode, I'm talking to Perry Marshall about how he became a best-selling author and when to invest into Google AdWords. Welcome to The Sigrun Show. I'm your host, Sigrun, creator of Samba, the MBA program for online entrepreneurs. With each episode, I'll share with you inspiring case studies and interviews to help you achieve your dreams and turn your passion into profits. Thank you for spending time with me today. Building an online business takes time. I share with you proven strategies to help you get there faster. You'll also learn how to master your mindset, up-level your marketing, and succeed with masterminds. Perry Marshall is one of the most expensive business consultants in the world. Clients seek his ability to integrate technology, sales, art, and psychology. Marketing maverick Dan Kennedy says, if you don't know who Perry Marshall is, it's unforgivable. Perry's an honest man in a filter rife of charlatans. His Google AdWords book is the world's best-selling book on internet advertising. So, of course, I'm excited to introduce Perry to you. Go to sig.com forward slash 242, and there you also find links to Perry and his books. I am thrilled to be talking to Perry Marshall. It's funny, actually, I didn't tell you before, before I hit the record button, but I had been receiving a lot of uh, requests for guests to come on my podcast. And I said to my husband, who was helping me run the business, decline them all. I don't want them. <laughs> and then yours comes along and I'm like, no, 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 no. I know this guy. I've heard about him. <laughs> I think I even bought his book. Let me check my Kindle. And I did. And there it was, your book. So, hey, you are the exception and you're here on the show. And I am honored that you're here with me today. So thank you for coming on the show, Perry. It's great to be here. Thank you for having me. And uh, we're, we're going to cover a lot of territory today. So buckle up and strap in. Yes. So we're going to cover what? Iceland, Google AdWords, sales and marketing, 80-20, whatever comes up. When is the time to write a book? So Google AdWords, because the book that I have at my Kindle was 80-20 sales and marketing. And only after I started to, uh, you know, read about you and find out more, I was like, oh, Google AdWords. So which of all these books came first and where does it come from that you start to write all these books? Well, the first book, since you you mentioned before the show, let, let me go back even further and tell you a little story. So when I was a marketing manager at a really small hardware software company selling industrial equipment, my boss got an opportunity to write an article for a trade magazine. And his friend was a marketing guy. We had this consultant. He said, oh, Mike, this is a golden opportunity. Like, you know, these magazines cost like $5,000 a page to advertise and you get like three pages. That's almost like getting $15,000 of free advertising. So you should do this. So Mike did it. And when he got done and he got published, he goes, never again. 
oh my word, that was awful. Mike is not a writer. And he just kind of offhandedly, he says, Perry, you know, if you want to write a magazine article, I'll pay you 500 bucks. And I said, like, are you serious about that? Because I am a writer and I've always liked to write, you know, and like 500 bucks. And, you know, I'm like a 30 year old guy with two kids in diapers and I'm. We call it hustling. You're hustling. <laughs> man, am I hustling, right? And I'm like, if I wrote a magazine article every month and I got an extra $500, that would be like relief on the family's finances, you know? I'm like, okay, Mike, you're on. Well, fast forward a little bit. And I started writing all these articles. And you got to understand, like, this is a tiny little, this is like any business to business niche where like you get all this terminology and the average person has no idea what it is, but there's three or four or five trade magazines and so I'm writing articles for these trade magazines. Well, one day, and I'm getting my 500 bucks, <laughs> which was great. And this is making me just slightly famous in my niche, which is, you know, I have an agency and they get me on podcasts and you said yes when you would normally say no to people because you actually knew who this person was, right? Like, Figuring out who new people are and whether you should pay them attention to them is a lot of work and you're risking your audience and everything, right? So same idea, right? I get this phone call from one of these publishers and the guy goes, well, I'm, I'm with a book division of this publisher. We need a book on industrial ethernet and I like your articles. Would you like to write it? Okay. So without getting into technical details, I knew about all these different networks. I didn't know ethernet. And I said, well, how about like this other network? And he goes, no, people aren't, they don't want to book on that. They want to book on ethernet. And I said, well, I don't know that subject very well. And he goes, well, I like your writing. If you want the book, you got the book. So let me know. And I went and thought about it. I'm like, man, I'm going to have to spend six months just learning this. Like I can learn it. I no question about that, but I'm going to have to do all this research. And I thought, well, okay. And I accepted. And here's why I accepted for several reasons. I knew that this was a hot growing topic. I knew there wasn't on this particular narrow subject, there wasn't another book. I knew if I wrote the first one, that I would be like the de facto expert on this topic. I knew that writing all these magazine articles had already helped me. And so I kind of bit the bullet and I said, okay. And since I'm learning this, I know these other things, but I have to learn this. I'm going to write the book that I would have wanted to teach me about this because I don't think you would have a very hard time believing that most Ethernet books are just dreadful. <laughs> yeah. They are dreadful. Boring. <laughs> right? And this is a big deal with anything. Okay. Can you take a subject that people find intimidating or dreadful or scary? Complex. Or complex or boring. Can you break it down, break it down, break it down and make it simple? Okay. And so I did that. And that was 15 years ago. And that book is now in its third edition. 
and I have a co-author who's done all the subsequent <laughs> That's <So>. brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> well, in co-authors, it's like an icebreaker ship. Once you have paved the way, there are always lots of other people who they don't have a book deal and they, but they're technical experts, right? And so this is even the case now with my Facebook books, my Google books, is I'm no longer even the expert on these topics, but I have the publisher, I have the relationships, and the most important thing that I bring to a book, and I just told a potential co-author this the other day, I bring the culture of what the book should represent, right? A book is not just a bunch of information. A book is a whole mindset on how you approach a problem and how you frame the problem, right? And I just want to point out that it is so important that you write about something that nobody else is writing about. Like, if you're just another woman writing a book about how to be the fulfilled modern woman who achieves her dreams, that is such an overcooked topic, okay? And you really need to do an inventory on what has been my technical experience, my business experience, my life experience, whatever, what is nobody else talking about, especially now? And remember, this story is 15 years old. It was before the explosion of self-publishing, right? Especially now that we've had an explosion of self-publishing, it's so important that you do an inventory of what is my metron? What part of my life story and my expertise is an unmet need in the marketplace? And that, that editor called me. is like, we know from talking to our readers and all this other stuff, we need a book like this. And nobody else has done one. And so I learned from those experiences that being the number one author on even a narrow topic, and believe me, industrial ethernet is like a sliver of a narrow, it's like a subtopic of a subtopic, right? But even if you're the number one gal or guy on a narrow subtopic, you would be amazed at how much success you can have, even in a very tiny little niche where Maybe there's only a few hundred people that really concern themselves with that. But if they're making a living and they're doing things, they need you. And the Ethernet book led me to consulting clients. They were actually marketing consulting clients because at the time I was writing that book, I was actually transitioning from a, a job to a marketing consulting career, which is basically the same company I have now. And they didn't hire me to do Ethernet. They hired to help them sell Ethernet. But they figured, well, if this, this is like the only guy who's a marketer who's written an Ethernet book. So obviously, like the overlapping Venn diagram of, you know, of this topic, right? And so fast forward and started getting into marketing books. Well, I instinctively knew when Google AdWords started to become a thing that being the guy who wrote the book on Google AdWords would be a huge advantage. Now, the funny thing was, is there was already books about Google AdWords, but I got a speaking invitation 
And when I got the speaking invitation, I immediately knew, okay, in this business, they're not going to pay you to come and speak. They just don't, okay? What they will do is if you have a product to sell, they'll split the product sales with you and you have a platform, you have a way to get clients. And so, and at first I was like, well, there's already books on this or there's at least one and I don't know. And, and a friend of mine, he said, Perry, they're not writing it the way that you would write it. And they're not approaching the topic the way you would. Now, I went and thought about that and I was like, well, actually, I do have a whole other perspective on this. And so I wrote that book and I knew, I knew that, okay, so let's rewind to 2003 when this was going on. Google AdWords was exploding, okay? And you really have to appreciate this was a very, very, very big deal because up to that point, all internet advertising had been this wild west, like sawed off shotgun, just like spray and pray. You know, I'm going to buy some banner ads somewhere. Oh, banner ads. I was running a website company at this time and banner ads was the only thing people were doing. And then you buy it for a month and you have no clue what happens. Right. No clue. No clue. And Google comes along. And of course, we now, everybody understands the precision of Google. And they were bringing that precision to advertising. And so this giant feeding frenzy was starting to happen. And I kid you not, there was like a new Google AdWords ebook showing up every three days. Okay. And my job, and this is important to everybody, even if you're not an author, like this is still important. My job was to get more testimonials and more credibility and more proof than anybody else. And my job was to have the best written, clearest, most transparent book on the market. And, okay, there's this whole thing in marketing about, okay, you just appoint yourself the authority. You don't wait for somebody to give you a PhD and, and all of that. Okay, that is true, but you still have to have the chops, okay? There's a lot like a lot of fake experts out there and they just named themselves an expert. And if you put them in a burning building, they could not get the people out. You know what I'm saying? Like in the entrepreneurial space, like I think it's just criminal. Okay. It's one thing if you're not really an expert on dog tricks, but you write a book on dog tricks and somebody buys your book and they kind of waste their time it's another thing if somebody starts a business and like entrepreneurs are so important in the world. Like all the growth comes from entrepreneurs. All the ideas come from entrepreneurs. If there wasn't entrepreneurs, there wouldn't be churches. There wouldn't be governments. There wouldn't be hospitals. There wouldn't be anything. It all starts with entrepreneurs. You have to take care of the entrepreneurs. And there's all these fake poser people selling to entrepreneurs. It's criminal. You have to know what you're talking about. But you don't wait for Stanford University to anoint you as an expert. You go do things and you prove through the doing. And my job was to amass more proof and help more people. And if I could get that cycle going, it becomes a snowball rolling down the hill, okay? 
And so I got, basically within about six months, I kind of got ahead of the pack. And I want to say something else about that. Prior to that happening, I had been an absolutely rabid, obsessive student of marketing. I wanted to know everything about it, even the things that it didn't look like I had any use for at the time. Okay. If there was a good newsletter, if there was a good audio to listen to, if there was a good seminar or whatever, man, I was soaking it in. And I would listen to Dan Kennedy telling stories about infomercials in the 1980s. And I would go, okay, I'm going to learn this story. I don't know how this is going to be useful, but it will. You know what? It was. It absolutely was because there was a whole cycle of like when the infomercials were new and then what happened when they started to get uh, more common, right? And Google AdWords, all the same things that happened in infomercials happened again in Google AdWords. And you know what? Just yesterday, I was having a consult with a guy and he's getting ready to raise $250 million for a cryptocurrency investment, okay? And I said to him, I said, okay, so this is cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, all that. It's Google AdWords all over again. It's exactly the same. It's just a currency instead of an advertising platform. You're going to have bubbles. You're going to have crashes and there's going to be certain businesses that survive the crashes and most business won't. And I know what the ones that survive actually look like and what they do. So let's talk through this whole thing. And basically I just rewound 15 years and I substituted one thing for another and we talked all through it. And he's like, wow. And you know what basically the advice was, it was, let's say that you actually can raise $250 million. You might want to only raise 50 because you could make a big bubble in your own thing that you can't. And then all these people lose all these money. And then you can't even like go to an airport without being scared that somebody's going to see you and, and caution because history repeats itself. It just comes around the second time in a slightly different form. And, and so I want to encourage the people out there um, who you're trying to master whatever it is that you're trying to master. If you know, like, this is my topic and this is my way, then give yourself permission to do everything, to read everything, to learn everything. Of course, you got to be selective, but don't put the brakes on. That was why I made it to the top of the heap. It was, I had a deeper bag of marketing tricks than all of these other guys that were trying to do it. And that bag of tricks was in my book. So coming to Google AdWords, because I know my audience is curious about Google AdWords. I sometimes get the question, should I be using Google AdWords? And I just repeat what I hear others say, which is more like, oh, they are more expensive than Facebook ads. We know that if Facebook ads have been underpriced and Google AdWords are possibly not underpriced anymore, when is the right time to use Google AdWords? And what do you advise small, maybe solo entrepreneurs in terms of Google Ads? So we made a couple of quizzes and there's not any one simple answer to this question, but we made these quizzes that you could take and it takes like, 
you know, one or two minutes to check all the boxes on one of these quizzes and hit submit. And they ask you about your business and about your market and about your product and about your customers. So we have a tool, it's at isaw4me.com, which stands for is AdWords for me. And you can click on that and it'll give you a score for Google search. It'll give you a score for Google display network and it'll give you a score for something we call a competitive index. And we also have a Facebook quiz at isfb4me.com they'll all give you a score from one to 10 on all of these different things. They'll at least give you a relative idea. If you take the Facebook quiz and it's a four out of 10, then definitely Facebook is not the first on your list. And if Google gives you a four out of 10, do not do it. On the other hand, if you get like an eight out of 10, then you should take it pretty seriously. So here's a couple things you have to understand about Google AdWords. Um, first off, it has been around since 2002, and lots and lots of people understand it, and so it's very competitive. And in any market you go into, you know, there's all kinds of people bidding on these keywords, and the highest bidders win. And so just right out of the gate, you have to have a sharper pencil than the next guy, or you're going to lose. And you, you should just go, well, here's the fact. 2% of the advertisers get half the traffic, which is 80-20. Yeah, yeah, 80-20, exactly. 80-20 applies to everything. But you know what? It's also true on Facebook. With oh, we don't want to hear that, but yeah. It is also true on Facebook. So you really have to know what you're doing. Don't even think about buying Facebook or Google advertising unless you're willing to spend some money educating yourself first. Now you could say, well, Perry just sells books and he sells training. So of course he says that. Go ahead and blow all your money and give it to Facebook or Google and see if you can get any of it back. They do not have guarantees of any kind. I do. They don't. When Google gets your money, you are never getting it back. And if I had a dollar for every person who's like, oh my goodness, Perry, I just spent $3,000 on a bunch of Google ads and I didn't get any sales and I can't get my money back and it, and it only took like 48 hours. Yeah, yeah. You can max out your credit card like so fast. You really have to be careful and you really have to know what you're doing. Okay, now the second thing is, is you have to start narrow. Think sniper rifle fire, not shotgun. You pick some narrow niche where nobody else is really scratching that itch and your keyword research tells you that there's a market there and you go there. Now here's another tip and this applies to Google AdWords and Facebook both because in some ways, they're completely different, but in other ways, they're exactly the same. Start with remarketing and retargeting first. That is the starting point. You do not start with cold traffic. What you start with is you put Google or Facebook pixels or both on your website, and they start tagging those people. They start cooking those people, and then after those 
have been there for a week or, or two, then you can start buying advertising to advertise to the people that already visited your website. Well, those people will buy three, four, five times more easily than cold traffic will buy. And you start by, well, I'm going to retarget people within 24 hours after they visit my site. You don't even go to 30, you know, or two weeks. You start with like a couple of days. You'll probably get an, a positive ROI if you're only getting them within a, a day or two. And then you start building that out. And in that situation, it will be impossible to spend a lot of money because if you only get 150 visitors to your site per day, then you're only paying what it costs for 150 visitors to see ads, okay? You, so you might only be able to spend $10 a day, and you can't go bankrupt that way. And you get that put out there, and you, you build a lot of ads, and you test ads, and you work all that out like we show in our books. Only after that do you begin to wade cautiously into buying cold traffic. And again, that applies to Google AdWords, it applies to Facebook. Now, let's talk about the next thought that people are going to have. Oh, well, I'll just hire somebody to do it. So people go, well, I'll just hire somebody to do this for me. There are lots and lots and lots of things that you can outsource. Just know this, outsourcing internet advertising is one of the hardest things to outsource that there is. Now we're talking some advice from my 80-20 sales and marketing book. If you want to outsource because you're too busy, you start with laundry, shoveling snow, mowing the lawn, taking your car to get gas, hanging up the picture, okay, cooking dinner. Let's say cooking. Most people don't hire a cook. Well, you'll waste a lot less money and get a lot more satisfaction hiring a cook than you will hiring a Facebook consultant or a Google AdWords consultant because there's billions of people who know how to cook. The Indian lady across the street who barely speaks English can make great curry, <laughs> right? Even if, she can't, even if she can't hardly read the grocery list, she knows how to cook, Okay. So cooking is like a 10 or $20 an hour skill, okay? Doing really good AdWords or Facebook work, that's like $100 an hour skill or more. And if you haven't done it yourself, you can't tell if they're telling you the truth. It's better to learn it yourself. And like, look, even if you just do the stuff I told you to do, and you just learn enough to do that, and you set up the conversion tracking, and you figure out, like you get your Google Analytics and your conversion pixels put in place so that you know, okay, so I made a sale, and the sale is feeding back into Google or back into Facebook. By the way, you can hire people to set that up for you, and you probably should. You don't want to try to be some digital tracking expert that's very hard to do but you know you can pay somebody a few hundred dollars to set that up for you and then you can connect the dots okay this ad sold three units and I made this return on my investment and you know now here's another thing about hiring if you're going to do it first of all never hire somebody who cannot prove to you that they learned how to do it 
on their own dime. Now that eliminates like 90% of them. Okay. So most people learn Google AdWords or Facebook advertising spending somebody else's money. When you are spending your own money, when it's like, I either sell these bars of soap or I pay my rent. <laughs> right? That has this amazing way of making you smart. Oh my word. You learn so much more when it's your money. So you say to the person, okay, in order for me to hire you, you have to go get sales reports, printouts, spreadsheets, whatever. You built the campaigns, you spent your money, and you put $1 in and you got $1.25 out. Or you got $1 in and you got $2 out. Or whatever it is. You have to prove to me that you did that. As soon as you say that, 90 to 95% of all of them will go away. And now here's what you'll discover. Oh my word, these people are harder to find than I thought. Yes, <laughs> okay. like a needle in a haystack. I'm looking for needles in haystacks now. Yes, this is how you don't lose your ass on pay-per-click advertising because it's so easy to lose it. Now, we have a site and it's free to use. It's free to search. It's free to list yourself. It's called marketers247.com. And it's mostly people that have been trained by me and you can search Facebook advertising, Google advertising, but for the benefit of your listeners, I think they should do it themselves at first until they have a basic understanding of it at least, and then go find somebody. Now, if you do that, you've actually got a fighting chance of making it work, but do not underestimate the difficulty of doing this because Anybody with a credit card can advertise on Google or Facebook and people pay billions of dollars of stupidity tax. In fact, Google and Facebook combined are more than a hundred billion dollars. Two thirds of that money is stupidity tax. Two thirds of it. It's amazing. And it makes great food in the cafeteria at Google and it gives them beautiful buildings and campuses and massages and benefits and health plans and self-driving cars and you shouldn't be paying for that but most people will all that free stuff like you know Google and Facebook are free like all the world's information at your fingertips for free guess who pays for that the stupidity tax guys so basically, you're speaking against it, but speaking for it at the same time, only if you do the work. Whatever niche you're in, you have to be in the top 3% of the advertisers. That's it. Anybody else who tells you otherwise is lying to you. And most people make this sound too easy. Now, I told you the bad part. Here's the good part. If you can master that and get over that hump, define your niche correctly, build a great sales funnel. Well, it's like a magic carpet ride. When you have a product and the Google campaigns are, are fine-tuned, the Facebook campaigns, whatever it is, and here come the customers and 24-7, you know, the thing's working and you're acquiring the customers and the thing is, it is awesome. It is the best thing in the world. So I guess I could sit here and I could just 
have visions of sugar plums dancing in everybody's heads, but I don't roll that way. You got to be truthful. You don't send people into battle with plastic swords and helmets. You got to give them the real armor. Yeah. And that's very true. And I know that I did a lot of training myself. It's only been one, one and a half years since I hired a Facebook ad manager, basically for three years. I did it myself. So you know what to do. You know what they're up to. Yes. You can look over their shoulder and you're like, hey, why are you doing that? And why are you doing that? And remember, they're spending your money. They're not spending their money. So even if they're the, like the most nice, honest, conscientious person in the world, they just won't do it the same as when it's your money. So, so you are planning to come to Iceland. You just told me before we started this recording. So let's end this episode after ranting on about Google AdWords and telling us how we become a best-selling author in so many niches like you have become a best-selling author in. What is your fascination with Iceland and Ireland and other countries similar to that? A long time ago, I read this book called Falling Off the Map, A Visit to the Lonely Places of the World by Pico Iyer. And it was like eight or 10 countries of all these strange places that nobody really goes. Now, in the last few years, Iceland has gotten fairly popular. Uh, 15 years ago, I don't think Iceland was like a really popular travel spot, but he was talking about what it's like to go to Reykjavik and some of the surrounding places in the winter. And he talked about, I think he was like in Paraguay and he was in Myanmar and he was in these like weird places that he even visited North Korea. And what happens to me is when I go to these like really lonely, desolate places where nobody goes, I always have these spiritual experiences. It's not like this is a new idea. I mean, you can find this and, you know, Jesus goes into the wilderness to fast and pray and, and you can go back thousands of years before that and people talk about it. Well, this is like, this is a very primal human thing. So Iceland is like a great place for, for that. You know, my friend Megan Macedo likes to call it standing on a cliff and feeling insignificant. It's like one of the most healthy, rejuvenating things that you can ever do. You know, like I love Western Ireland and my son and I went to Western Ireland in the middle of the winter. We went to the end of the end, like as far west as you can go. We're on the road that winds around and we get out of our car Nobody else even drove by for like two hours. Nobody is around, right? And we're standing on the edge of this cliff and the wind is like 30 or 40 miles an hour. It is just blasting in your face and the ocean is just like, it's just roaring. And um, my son, he was like 12 and the wind is just whipping in his face and he's just got this huge grin. And you can tell that he's thinking something like, dang, you can never experience this on a computer. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No. And like circling around. I think that going and doing stuff like that is one of the best things that online entrepreneurs can possibly do. If you live most of your life in the, in the digital world, which most people who do are in cities. Okay. I bet you most of your listeners live in a city with more than a million people. 
knowing the demographics of internet marketers, probably at least half a million. Cities are a little bit smaller in Europe, but you know, at least 100,000. Yeah, but there's cafes and there's stores and there's traffic and there's pollution and all this, right? You have to pull yourself out of that. And okay, it's nice to go to the park. That's fine. Okay, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about time and space and distance. Maybe you drive a long way. Maybe you fly somewhere and you go and you, you spend enough time there that your internal clock slows down and you get in the pace of nature. It's the speed of poetry. It's the speed of nature. It's the speed of grass and plants and growth. It's the speed of really, really listening to people instead of just trying to cram as many transactions as you can. And I think a lot of digital people, city slickers, they're depressed, they're unhappy, they're stressed, they're rushed. Okay, I can't fix all the stresses of the world, and you can't either. But you know what? If at least once a year, like you have to do this, go find somewhere that's beautiful, find something where that's inspiring for you, and get close to nature, and it will so balance you out. It'll cheer you up. It'll clear your head. You'll think more clearly. You'll get ideas. You'll get inspirations. You're hiking up a mountain, and all of a sudden, hey, I know how to fix that problem. That's when the creativity comes. So, yeah, go to Iceland. I know it's great. Like, I have screensavers and stuff like on the Apple TV, you know, like, and all these like glaciers and fjords and cliffs and seascapes and stuff like. So you gotta tell me, I live 50% in Iceland, 50% in Switzerland. So when you come, you let me know and we'll meet up and if I am in the country at the same time. And yeah, you will enjoy your time. <laughs> That's fabulous, who, who knew? Who knew, who knew? Thank you so much for a fantastic episode, Perry. It's been a joy to hear about your journey becoming a best-selling author. And Google and ads and Facebook ads, it's better to be truthful and really learn it before you outsource. Thank you for sharing all of your wisdom with us. You'll be glad you did. If, if you master this stuff and you really, you know, you, you narrow your focus and you pick one thing, you go, I am going to master this. It is so rewarding. So thank you for having me on your show. It's really an honor. Go to signal.com forward slash 242 and you'll find links to Perry and his books. Thank you for listening to The Signal Show. Did you enjoy this episode? If you did, please share, subscribe, and give the show a review on iTunes. See you in the next episode.